0: Welcome back to another episode of Fun to Use podcast. I'm your host, Greg Plotts. Today, I'm speaking with Heaton Doshi, founder of Doshi Capital Management. After some firsthand money management experience at Rutgers, Heaton decided to go into investment management as a career. Heaton started his career in a rotational leadership program at Lucent, as the company's stock took a tumble from over $90 a share to less than a dollar a share. It took several years and several companies later, along with two master's degrees and a CFA but eventually he ended up at Morgan Stanley as an equity analyst. Heaton was a rising star and quickly moved over to BBH, where he managed a team of equity analysts formulating equity strategy for many multi-billion dollar hedge funds and investment shops. After a while, Heaton realized that he wanted to go solo and put his analysis into action. He launched Doshi Capital Management and has been managing an algorithmic fund with an absolute return target for the past nine years. Today, the firm has expanded and now donates 5% of the performance fee to a foundation to help people in need all around the world. Heat and Doshi, thank you uh, for, for joining my podcast, Fun Views Podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and, and joining us to uh, talk about your background. Yeah, thank you. Um, so first question, I guess, tell me about where you grew up and a little bit about your background and, and how you got your start kind of in finance and investing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, uh, born and raised in New Jersey, um, grew up in, in North Jersey in a little town called Fairlawn. Um, you know, uh, undergrad, I went to uh, Rutgers University. Um, I have two master's degrees, one from Babson College, another from University of, of Illinois. Um, and, you know, uh, I really got my my initial interest in finance was uh, from Rutgers. You know, I graduated at the top of the class uh, and they had this interesting little um, side program for the top performers where they gave them this small portfolio to manage uh, and to pick stocks it was only like $60,000. Uh, but it was like a team of, of students and, you know, they gave us a chance to sort of do some stock picking uh, for, for the fund. And, and that's really where I, my interest began with the, you know, wanting to invest.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had a similar um, program at Carleton where I went to school in Canada. We had a, a endowment. It was at the time about, I, I want to say like four seven hundred thousand dollars that we were managing it was a group of like 20 students um but yeah i, I always like those real life example kind of programs and it's it's a lot of work a lot of time but uh definitely pulls you into that that side of the the finance world
1: yeah it gives, it gives you a chance to sort of like apply real world what you're learning uh you know like our group yeah. was small; it was like four kids um but you know it 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 Gives you a different aspect on on what you're learning, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it sort of like takes that academic and puts it into um, more practical circumstances.
0: Great. So so when you went and did your, when you did your master's degrees, did you go straight from undergrad or did you um, work first and then and then do it later on? Yeah.
1: So uh, it, was, it was almost immediate. Um, you know, I graduated from Rutgers. Uh, you know, I entered into a leadership program at Lucent Technologies. Uh, and as part of that rotational leadership program, uh, they partnered it with a Babson executive uh, master's degree. so we'd um you know it was a three year program. We'd work full time and then we'd go away every semester for like an intensive two week semester. So we'd do an entire semester in like two weeks and be in class like nine hours a day, seven days a week uh, <laughs> you know, and, and just pound through it and then go back to work
0: interesting that that must have been. Uh... You know, really educational, obviously, and, and very. Um, you know, the, you learn a lot on both sides, both the work and the in kind of applying it that way. Like you learn for two weeks and then apply it for a for a time period and then go back and learn some more. Um, what What was the leadership development program like? Uh, you know, was was there a favorite area that you worked in, or or did you move around to different areas? You mentioned rotational.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's so working loose, and um, you know, each each year was a different. Uh, um, rotational program, um, you know, started like operations, and then went to like some um, technical role, and then my last role was actually in in treasury, uh, you mm-hmm. know, doing risk management. Um, but you know, it was interesting. It was great. You know, we had a, we had a class of about thirty, you know, people, and you know, there's a lot of camaraderie when you go away for two three weeks. You know, that intense environment where everyone is in class together, everyone's studying together, everyone's hunkering down together. Um, doing group projects. Uh, You know, Babson was was an amazing school. It's a beautiful campus. You know, the the advantage of Babson is a lot of the professors are industry executives. They're like past CFOs or CEOs, you know, so they have a lot of practical knowledge to to teach. It's not just purely academic. Um, But, you know, but it was great. You know, you go away, you you, you pound away, and then you go back and and you apply it and and you learn.
0: Great. So do do you, uh, just curious, do you, uh, still keep in touch with anyone from that class. You mentioned the camaraderie. It, I know it's a long time ago, but, um, from, from there.
1: Yeah, no, um, uh, keep in touch with, with, uh, with a lot of people. Um, they've all left New Jersey, you know, this was, you know, <laughs> Lucent was based in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they've all left. Uh, so don't get to see them as often, but we have reunions, uh, you know, we keep in touch uh, on LinkedIn and on social media. Um, we have our own little group on Facebook. So, you know, we definitely keep oh, in touch good. with everyone's up to. So it's nice.
0: That's good. Yeah. And that seems like seems like that program, that type of program is is more like lifelong sort of similar interests, obviously, with all these people. So uh, lifelong friends can be made. Uh, great. So so Lucent obviously is a different story, right? And it, it got um, acquired. You were telling me before the, the podcast by uh, Nokia um, shortly after you you left. But what, what was it like working for a company in the middle of something like that? A, a big corporate kind of take out or a work workout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was interesting. I mean, when you know, when we when the program started, uh, you know, the stock price was ninety dollars. Um, you know, and it was it was in the middle of the the tech recession. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And by the time I left, the stock was under a dollar. So you <laughs> could imagine, uh, you know, it was a big, big, big company. Uh, they had several campuses, and it was interesting. You know, being there as sort of shut down, they restructured time and time again, uh, and closed down offices and buildings, and it was really interesting, you know, working there because especially when you're, um, in the finance, you know, side of the business, you, you see these like revisions, you know, almost every week of numbers coming down, right. Week after week. And, and you mm-hmm. you think to yourself, wow, we're not doing well, right. <laughs> the company's not doing well. The business is not doing well. Um, when the budgets and the, and the sales forecasts are being revised lower, you know, constantly. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a great experience. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I would say, uh, sort of a, a life experience, you know, you you, you come out wiser from it. Uh, but it was definitely an interesting time being there.
0: Interesting. So, so um, did you leave because of that? Or or is there another reason? And and where did you go after that?
1: Yeah, so uh, yes, yeah, so partially I left because of that. i you know, I was lucky to be in their leadership program, they, they were winding that down. Uh, You know when I left, uh, and unfortunately, you know the goal of the leadership program is that is that you do this executive education, and then you get placed within the firm, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, in a firm that's restructuring and and sort of winding down in that sense, there's fewer quality opportunities, and so uh, so that was you know part of the reason why I left. And um, you know I went to NRG Energy, I went to uh, you know their treasury department, their risk management department um, as well, and that was also based in New Jersey, so it was a good transition you know, uh, in terms of role.
0: That's good. Yeah. So you went from like your, your last sort of rotational program was in treasury and then you kind of had a similar role in a different company. Yeah. Um, good. And then, and then from there, you know, from, from energy, you didn't stay all that long. Right. So, so tell me, uh, is there a story behind that? Or you, you moved over to, um, uh, Lehman brothers?
1: Yeah. So, um, so the story behind that is, um, so the end goal was, to get to where I, where, where I got to at Morgan Stanley. Um, and it took a long process to get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, um, you know, the reason for, for going to Lehman brothers was, you know, when I was at Lucent, um, you know, this rotational program is every year. So we had, you know, people who were ahead of us in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're like 21 years old, 22 years old, um, you're very impressionable. And so I had a, I had a friend who was a couple of years ahead of me and he left and he went to go work at an investment bank and sell side research, mm-hmm. uh, and he loved it, and he was making six figure salary, right? Uh, and so you think to yourself as like a young twenty year old, six figure salary. You know, this is back in two thousand one, you know, yeah. two thousand two, right? Um, you think to yourself, wow, that's like that's the life, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's a great salary, it's a great career, um, and and it's interesting, right? It's an, it's identifying stocks and analyzing stocks and names. Um, so so that really appealed to me, right? Uh, and, and that really set off this kind of um, you know, this, this, this trigger in my head that, you know, I, I want to get to wall street. I want to get to investment bank. I want to get to that role. You know, I, I love stocks, I love picking stocks, analyzing stocks. Um, so how do I get there? Uh, and, and, you know, unfortunately out of Lucent, I couldn't get there. So I went to NRG and then from NRG, I went to Lehman brothers, which was like one step closer. At least I was in an, in an investment bank, right. At least I yeah. was uh, there. Um, not in that role, but, but it, it was this long path to to kind of get to where, where where I wanted to,
0: and so eventually you found your way to Morgan Stanley.
1: Yeah, I found I found my way to Morgan Stanley. You know, I, I was at Lehman before they blew up. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I, I was in high grade credit, uh, and, and Lehman, you know, was known for their fixed income department. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, you know, pre uh, pre housing recession, it was really boring. I mean, credit was so stable. Uh, you know, especially high grade credit, like high quality names, it was, you know, it was kind of a a boring job. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, compared to like equities, which move every day, you know, fixed income doesn't move that much, you know, at that time. Yeah, so credit you're looking uh, three
0: years ahead and saying exactly. Can this bond and, you know, <laughs> right. from one day to the next, it's not going to change much.
1: Exactly. Right. You know, it, it takes years. Uh, and I traded derivatives, which is a little bit more exciting. Um, you know, we were hedging their, mm-hmm. you know, multi-billion dollar portfolio at Lehman Brothers. But even then, you know, the credit spreads just, they didn't move day to day. They'd stay stagnant for, for months. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so from there, I, from there, you know, I, 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 Got my, you know, I started my CFA and, and I jumped to to Morgan Stanley and I was lucky to, to get a position there.
0: Great. So, so tell me, how did you find that position at Morgan Stanley? Was it through a reference or did you just apply or, you know, the CFA obviously you think helped?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, what, what's crazy is every job I have found has been through like applying through their website, right? <laughs> not through a placement agent, not through, you know, headhunter um, interesting literally applying on their website. Uh and you know, it, it works, believe it or not. It worked for me at least. Uh so yeah. um, you know, but I mean, that's how that's how I found it. And uh and I went there and I, I interviewed, and I was actually supposed to join their energy team in Houston, and I moved to Houston. And okay. then a week after I moved, the team left and went to a PE shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I <was> stuck <laughs> in Houston, like, what am I doing here? Uh, and so then they moved me back to New York. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, so it worked out for me. I always wanted to be in New York, stay in New York, but um, but it was a very quick transition. And so then, you know, in New York I joined I joined the transportation team and covered, you know, uh, FedEx UPS, uh, you know, trucking companies, uh, you know, and then that, that entire sector
0: that's that's definitely different a, a different background you know I hear uh, my my view is always you know I never had any luck with online applications. I was always you know cold calling and and just trying to get out their network um or or references or things like that, so you know it's interesting and in, and in, I've heard the same from other people where they uh they just get lucky and they apply you must be um must be good at writing cover letters or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah um great so so. Do you think having that fixed income um, background for for a number of years helped kind of when you moved on finally onto the equity side? Does it give you like a different mindset compared to the guys that just, you know, guys or girls go straight into equity?
1: Yeah, um, I I, I think it it gives you a different mindset. Uh, And, you know, to be honest, I don't think it applies just to like investing in equities, but Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it, it makes you wiser, right? When you're on the trading floor, it's a very different environment. Right. Um yeah. it's just a whole nother animal being on the trading floor and you gotta be quick and it's loud and you got two phones and you got one person on one ear and another person on the other ear. Um uh, and so it, it was it was definitely an exciting time. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 experience that I'll never forget, and experience that's helped me, you know, get to where I am today, right? Being a trader, learning mm-hmm. how to execute, learning how to trade. Um, you know, so it, it's all like sort of culminated together to to, to get me to where I am today.
0: Interesting. Um, so from there, um, you stayed at Morgan Stanley. You eventually left and, and went to BBH, uh, right? Brown Brother Harriman. Um, yep. And uh, and and so was that move easy? Did it? Did you find yourself kind of um, want to be more close to company to equity research or trading, or or because that that role was completely different, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no. So, so you know, when I went to BBH, I wanted to be more macro, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the one thing I learned, uh, at Morgan Stanley is you only cover a handful of stocks, right? Mm -hmm. And you're and you become this very like niche, you know, focus, very sector name specific uh, analyst. And I I didn't want to be pigeonholed into just covering, um, you know, a handful of names, right? Uh, Yeah, for the rest of my life. And and so um, coincidentally. Covering transportations is a very cyclic it's a very cyclical sector it's mm. a very macro driven it's all based on the economy so so going from there to Morgan Stanley was pretty easy because at Morgan Stanley we were a macro shop we were a top down shop we covered everything um, so so it, it was an easy transition uh, and it, it was definitely what I wanted to do I wanted to be more broad based you know than just yeah. cover a few names
0: yeah that's that's good and and you get to see all the different sectors and in the, in the in the macro workings and and you know but still have that bottom up due diligence i would imagine Yep. yeah so um tell me you know i don't know when in your career this happened or 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 uh whenever but tell me about the the first time that you had to delegate duties to, to other employees and and what that was like was it difficult and, and did your master's in management help you know how did that kind of kind of go
1: yeah so uh so the first time i could delegate you was at brown brothers uh mm. you know uh, i was i got promoted to um to to a strategist and we had a team underneath us uh and and that was you know it was it was difficult it was um it was definitely a learning curve to managing people um mm-hmm. especially you know brown brothers is, is a different different type of shop than than a pure investment bank uh you know you hear about investment banks they're pretty cutthroat right they're pretty everyone's a type a personality and everyone's a go-getter and um, everyone does, you know, everything to like perfection, right. Or otherwise they get canned. Uh, so going to BBH with a much smaller shop was, was quite an adjustment because it's a much more relaxed environment, much more laid back. So all of a sudden you're in charge of, of, of people and you kind of have expectations that things are going to get done in a certain manner or a certain time. And it's much more relaxed. So, so that was definitely, um, an adjustment to, to the culture of, of BBH. But um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it worked out and, you know, I was there for, for several years. And, um, and, you know, the master's of management, you know, I can't say it, it really helped, to be honest. You know, master's mm. was was while before that. Uh, and at least for me, the focus in the master's pro- program was like the finance side, not necessarily yeah. the management side. So I kind of knew that I wanted to get to that finance side. Right. So that was that was what I really focused on
0: me too i I uh, didn't enjoy organizational behavior I'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, wasn't like mergers and acquisitions it's you know a different different uh, world um, great so so from there you um, you stayed at BBh for a little while and and then you eventually went independent started your own firm um, you know tell me about that process and and how that kind of idea originated and and was executed and did you have partners and how how did that work out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so so, the reason for the transition was at BBH, you know, I traveled everywhere, I traveled all, all around mm-hmm. the US, all around Europe, uh, you know, talking to large hedge funds, endowments, pension funds, um, you know, I mean, multi, multi-billion dollar asset managers um, and pitching ideas and talking about the macro and, and the indicators and the sectors and the stocks and whatnot. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, instead of pitching these ideas, I'd rather... <laughs> You know, run a fund myself. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I had that that high of a conviction in, in what we did and the approach that we that we took. Uh, so you know, I I finally decided to just leave and just start my own fund, right? Um, and a lot of the knowledge was from BBH uh, that, that 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 I took and to start the fund. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was scary, to be honest, right? To just like quit your job and, and leave, uh, and you got to eat what you kill, and and so so that that was definitely new. Um it was a steep learning curve because when you're at a big shop, you don't really have to deal with a lot of the back office and the middle office stuff. Um you're mm-hmm. just executing on the front end. Where now when you're running your own shop, you got to do everything. Uh you gotta, you know, know the accounting, the admin, the operational, the legal. It's it's it was a significant learning curve. But um, but a lot of the knowledge I took from BBH definitely helped me launch the fund.
0: That's good. And um and and so did did you have partners come in day one or was it just you a one man shop or how how did that kind of work out Yeah,
1: it was um it was just me. It was you know it was a one man shop. Uh, you know I, I I left and and I I launched on my own. I started the firm on my own. I launched the fund on my own. Uh, it took about mm-hmm. a year to launch the fund. Uh, you know the the strategy that we have it's systematic. It's driven by an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the 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 goal when I when I launched was to create a strategy that generates returns every year. And the reason for that was because I have to have an income every year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost right. So, so oddly the moment, self-serving, but exactly al- yeah. aligned
0: with the investors too. So that's right, that's exactly.
1: A thing. Uh, you know, I mean I don't I didn't have a salary income coming from anywhere else. So I said, okay, if I'm gonna make this work and I'm gonna take the 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 little amount of money that I have and, and launch this fund, it's gotta you know be self sustaining. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that was, that was sort of the mindset, you know, when, when I launched the fund and, um, I spent about a year building the algorithm, uh, and finally, finally, you know, we, we I launched, uh, and, you know, been running it for nine years now.
0: Great. Wow. So, um, so, um, what, what do you think about the equity markets? You know, have, have they changed kind of since you started the fund versus today? And obviously they have, but. Um, have you had to tweak the algorithm and 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 what 's the strategy look like today compared to nine years ago
1: yeah no absolutely it 's changed you know quite a bit um, several things have changed you know over the past nine nine ten years right mm-hmm. um, one you have sort of a younger generation of investors right if mm-hmm. you think about it the, the the people who are investing probably have not seen a recession, right? The last recession was in 07, 08. And, um, you know, so for, for them, the pandemic was, was new, right? An economic mm-hmm. downturn is is new. And so uh, the other thing is, when I first started, the markets are always behavioral, but they were more human driven. And over the past decade, they've become much more computer driven, you know, a lot yep. more algos, a lot, high, a lot more high frequency. And so we've had to tweak our algorithm because of that. Right, uh, you know, we use um, behavioral indicators, um, but we've had to you know, become more automated, and you know, and even sort of change our, st- our risk management approach, right, because of the computerization yeah. that that's happened over over the past ten years.
0: Yeah, I've seen that firsthand, and you know, I used to uh, uh, follow the VIX options and futures, and and try and trade the ETPs on that that manage like the XIV, and then I I remember a few years ago the XIV blew up. In like a f- February, it just went to zero <laughs> overnight. And, <laughs> and, you know, everyone knew that that's a possibility. But until you see that, you're like, oh, like that, that can actually happen? I thought it was theoretically it could happen.
1: Um, yeah. But- yeah I, I mean, I, I don't I, don't if, I don't if you remember uh, December of 2018, uh, you know, the market was going down like 3% a day, like every yeah. day. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was, um, it was unbelievable. And because it was all algo driven, right? The yep. algos wanted to reach a certain number and they weren't going to stop. And literally just overnight, they hit their number and it was, that was it. It rallied after that. Right. It yeah. was, uh, it was crazy. I, I don't know if you ever, if you read, um, um, the book on, on Simmons, right. Uh, you know, he runs the greatest hedge fund yep. of all time. He was freaking out in December, right? He told his financial advisor, get me out of this market. he <laughs> <It> was so <laughs> Irrational. And as FA said, just wait one more day, what, you know, one or two more days and the market bottomed. And luckily, yeah. you, know, you could have sold at the bottom, right? And missed it. But, um, but even the best of us get, can get panicked when, when the market's just irrational. But that, that mm-hmm. irrational behavior is coming from not humans, but from algos now, right? So, so yeah. that's the scary part. You don't know when they'll stop, um, yeah. you know? So.
0: And what the markets do can be completely uncorrelated to the, the news headlines and what's going on in, in the real world and that's what i i I mean we kind of see it through the pandemic right the market's like rallying and you know businesses are closed and and things are are down and you know you know and the real economy is not you know struggling to some extent the you know the government helps out a lot but um but you know you look at the stock market and think you know the world's normal and everything's fine yeah
1: I, i mean there there's a disconnect you know um and but it's partially because the markets are forward-looking, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they're always forward-looking, and and they're built on hope, right? I mean, yeah. you know, they, everyone says you know, hope's not an investment strategy. Well, tell that to twenty twenty. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there are and, in, and interest of rates boats. too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know,
0: interest rates at this level. At any little movement in interest rates, changes your entire model. Anyone who's done a DCF model knows yeah. kind of that terminal value uh, rate that you use is like mind-blowingly um effective like like yeah. positive or negative it, it can change your valuation completely so uh, it, it's a weird uh time frame i think that we're in right now but um who knows what's going to happen uh going forward i think one of the one of the big drivers and might be overblown is, is technology technology you know things are being automated as you said trading's being automated but there's so many other pieces in the economy that's being automated in so many ways that um We'll we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it's stimulus driven too, right? I mean, there's trillions yeah. and trillions of stimulus being thrown yeah. everywhere at states, at individuals, at you know, at banks. So mean, it's all gotta go somewhere. Yeah. It's it's in a it's a tremendous amount of, of stimulus. But you know, going back to your point of like um that disconnect, right? It, that's one of the reasons why our approach to investing is systematic, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's to take out that human, you know, emotional yeah. behavior. Um, you know and it served it well in the past and it especially served us well in 2020 cuz you know for us our model uh had us risk off going into the pandemic and then risk on going out throughout yeah. the rest of the year um when a lot That's of our awesome. cl- yeah and a lot of our clients were calling us and saying oh man i, I got out early You're right you know i i, I the first <laughs> 20 30% bounce they 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 got out and they missed the the remaining 40%. so um there's something to be said about having sort of a model algo driven and approach uh, you know Absolutely,
0: thing. and especially with uh, you know with an absolute return hurdle, not you're not benchmarking yourselves to the to the S and P really, even though you know everyone kind of does. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's got to be a risk adjusted uh, return uh, you know the comparison at some point. So yeah. Uh, yeah, So so what do you think going forward? And I, I guess the point of it is is you know being an algo fund, you, you don't have a view on you know, bull or bear in the market. It's just what the algo tells you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and it's funny because a lot of people ask us, do we put out a, a, like a a newsletter, like a monthly or like a quarterly commentary or something? Yeah. Commentary and stuff. And, and I say no, because exactly what you said, right. Uh, You know, I have my own thoughts and opinions and I'm happy to share them, but that's not what the model will do. Right. And the model is meant to, to, to take in the data uh, and, and make a decision in, on its own and, and generate signals. so uh, And thankfully so, because I probably would have been one of those people who got out when the market rallied last year, the first 20, 30, 40%, yep. you know, yep. but the um, the algo said to stay with it. Uh, so, so that's, that's, the, that's the big advantage. Um, but, you know, I mean, everyone has their opinions and, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we have our opinions as, as well uh, to, you know, to where the market's going and, you know, 2021, I think will surprise most people. You know, I think a lot of the analysts on the street predict like a 5 to 10% year. And, and, you know, to be honest, I think it's probably going to be closer to like a 20% year, you know, maybe even higher. Um, there's a lot of stimulus. There's a lot of economic growth coming our way. Um, and when you put all that together with low interest rates, right, and the Fed standing pat, you know, um, on, on raising rates, that's that's a lot of fuel. That's a lot of fuel yeah. uh, that people, I, I don't think, uh, really appreciate.
0: Absolutely. So, um so, so, tell me I guess a little bit more about um about your company about doshi and doshi capital and and um how has it grown in in the last nine years in terms of people It's obviously not a one man shop anymore and and um and what do you see kind of going forward from that standpoint
1: yeah, so yeah i mean so doshi you know i started you know after i left b b h you know you know almost a decade ago um you know the goal was to was to generate absolute returns right that was the goal of the mm-hmm. strategy. Uh, you know, it, it's grown over time. It's you know now. It's not just me. We have a chief operating officer. You know, we have a director. We have a software developer. Um, so the, the the firm has grown. The fund has grown. Um, you know, we've opened it up to outside investors. We've been raising money constantly now. Um, so you know, it, it's it's been great. Um, it's it's been you know a good growth story. Uh, but I still you know there's still much further to go. You know, we're still yeah. looking to raise the fund. Um, to a couple of hundred million and, and grow out the team. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, the team will probably stay pretty small if it's an algo-driven strategy. We're not stock pickers, yeah. right? We're not, we don't need a team of, of research analysts, you know, uh, trying to pick stocks. Um, but, uh, but we do, you know, you still need staff and support when you're, when you're building these. And, and the, the algorithm is we're always looking to impl- you know, to improve, mm-hmm. it, right, constantly. We're always looking at new indicators, new ways to reduce volatility um, you know, new ways to, to, to manage the market. So, um, that's always ongoing. That's always continual. Um, and I, I think, you know, that'll be the case moving forward as well.
0: Yeah. And, and, um, you know, from the standpoint of obviously you have the, the absolute return, you know, based fund that you, the the flagship fund, we'll call it. Um, do you have any other strategies you're working on or, or do you see yourself down the line opening kind of a different strategy, a new fund maybe now that you're, now that, uh, you know, you don't have to rely on on the new fund to pay pay the bills and keep the lights on.
1: Yeah, I think you know, um, I do think in the future we'll we'll, we'll, we'll look for, for to you know to start a, another fund. Uh, I think it'll be different. You know, this mm-hmm. one is a macro driven fund. Yeah. Um, I I do think the next one will probably be more stock specific, mm-hmm. um, with the same goal, with the same goals of an absolute return, uh, but it'll be an actively managed you know uh, uh yeah. stock picking fund. Because um, that's the goal, right? It's generate returns yeah. in, in any environment in any period. Um, otherwise, you might just be a long-only fund and just invest in a mutual fund, right? At that yeah. point, so so if you can't consistently outperform the market and generate positive returns, then you're not doing your job well. Um, that's yeah. how that's how I view the world.
0: It's uh, it's not easy these days, especially. Well, these days or any any days, but especially these days, because you know you got to not just outperform the market, but outperform your fees that you're charging on top of the market return um in in most scenarios or or have you know have the ability to to communicate to investors that it's not as risky as the market and you're making almost as much or or as much as the market so yeah uh, the so market
1: I'm, is a the market's a tough benchmark right it it's, is um especially yeah. over the past decade you know if you look historically over you know thirty forty fifty yeah. years the s and p returns six to eight percent you if yeah. you look just over the past decade it's been almost thirteen percent right that's yeah. a tough hurdle, right? Um, and, you know, when, you, when you're talking to investors and, and you're trying to have them believe in your strategy uh, and they're benchmarking you against that index, that's, that's a tough hurdle, right? Um, so, I mean, it's still doable. Uh, and, yeah. and like you said, there's lots of other benefits. You know, our, our, one of the benefits of our strategy is that it's, you know, uncorrelated to almost any other asset class, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the returns, it's about the diversification as well. Uh, Absolutely. So, if an investor can can understand the the other side benefits, um, that makes it much easier. But but definitely, in, in a bull market, it's uh, it's tough to you know to benchmark against the S and P.
0: Absolutely. So, last thing, um, tell me about your foundation. Um, what do you do at the foundation? And it's called the Neva and Heaton Doshi Foundation.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 my wife, Neva, yep. uh, and so we started a foundation uh, several years ago. Um, we, we've always been big believers in helping other people. We both mm-hmm. come from humble backgrounds, uh, you know, and and we've gotten to where we are, and we understand it takes hard work, but it also takes helping others. And so we started that foundation uh, a couple of years ago, and the, and the goal is to provide support and help to uh, families, to children for medical needs, for education, for girls, um, for you know, in develop in emerging you know countries. And so, you know, that's that's been our focus with the foundation. It's to it's, it's to really um, help you know pediatric and, and children. Uh, and one of one of the one of the biggest um, charities that, that we support is the Valerie Fund. Uh, you know, they they help children with blood and uh, cancer disorders uh, and give them the emotional, the medical support that they need. Uh, and so, you know, that's been been you know hugely impactful uh, on, on in people's lives. And so. That that's one of the you know, charities that we support the most.
0: Great. Um, well, look forward to to hearing more in the future, and and I'm sure uh, uh, you know. Good luck with with the fund and and the firm and and the new strategies. It's exciting exciting times over at uh, Doshi Capital.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks.
0: And that's all for today's episode. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share with friends, family, and colleagues to further support fund Views Podcast. Till next time.